1: And welcome to Safe Place Sessions, brought to you by SJP World Media, an open forum for discussion around mental health. Today, I am uh, known as Morty on a lot of shows well, two shows the Morty and Fitch podcast, which is a bit of a silly comedy show, and also Murder in Mind on SJP World Media. You can call me morty as much as he likes it'll be easier for the person i'm doing this with but today i am not morty today i am sam and i am joined by a gentleman from randomizers podcast and he's involved with other projects as well which you may mention good pal james how are you james
0: i'm good mate i'm good mate how are you
1: yeah 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 i'm i, I am good i am you know intrigued about this uh Conversation that we're going to have because that's all it is. Because really, we mentioned it before we recorded. Um, myself and James, we know each other through the podcasts. Um, we do talk on a group chat, which we speak probably every
0: day on there. Silly things. Pretty much, pretty much, at least once a day. It's even if it's just a morning, chaps, uh, and then I disappear off or you disappear off for the day. It's it's at least a hello.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, usually it's silly things, but we do talk about uh, some serious things on there as well. And it's a bit of a bit of a safe place in and of itself. Um, but really, that that's it. We've never met each other. Uh, I think it's the first time we've ever spoken. Just us.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is
1: yeah. Even even yeah, you know, the group chat has our, our podcasting partners in it. So yeah, so we uh, what we're going to do today is we're just going to have a bit of open, frank discussion um, around mental health. Uh, with the idea being that um, hopefully people will will hear that and know that you know it is okay to talk about it. Um, this is a place where stigma can go and die. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, screw stigma, as we said on the uh, on the chat. Um, and hopefully it will make people realise that no matter what position you're in, how you're feeling. Uh, what you may think about yourself, there are people that are interested and people will, will want to listen. Now, just for the audio listeners, James be aware, I'm making very little eye contact with him, uh, <laughs> but that's how I, uh, uh, I, I am able to sort of do that. And that's cool. And that's fine. However, you deal with having those conversations is how you deal with having those conversations. And it's just about about really sort of driving
0: that forward about having the conversation not how you have the conversation absolutely yeah absolutely. totally agree i don't know if you noticed in our preamble before we hit record i was looking off into the distance quite a lot mm. <laughs> so it's it's a uh, i i struggle with eye contact at the best of times um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah which is probably a symptom from from something in my past but um <laughs> or something with my brain not quite sure um yeah, yeah it's uh it's it's difficult to talk about. Um, I've, mm. I've done a number of specific topics, um, on, on Yeah. Um, most notably, um, on our A to Z, have uh, hit anxiety under a, obviously, um, loneliness under L and morning under M. So it's, uh, mm. co-host Ben has hit a few big topics as well himself or from his own experiences. Um, yep. but yeah, it's, pleased to be part of this project pleased to be part of the group that's kind of spearheading this collected want for a space from the from the from the immediate response that Sai got um great idea and yeah clearly needed clearly needed
1: absolutely and uh, you know as, as you will notice from this being myself and james is going to be a revolving door not just of the quote-unquote guest but the host there's no real host no real guest which is a couple of people having a, an open and frank discussion really which will will kind of keep it you know f- fresh i don't know if it's the right word but it will keep it i guess safe and uh, for people and for keeping it for so that we can have as many people as, as possible feel
0: relaxed and you don't want a big group session and no. you know, it's not the right format, is it? No. And I think, I think we will have a round table at some point with a, mm. with a group of us. Um, but I think this is more kind of, you have the big round table, the introductions, and then you break off into your little pairs, you have a chat and then you come back and you talk about something collectively. And it's, it's, mm. it, it's going to be a work in progress um, <laughs> uh, as, as, Many listeners are probably aware. We have no idea what we're doing. We're not no. qualified in any way, shape or form. No, I think that's, that's, <laughs> that is that's an important
1: point that you make to make. We are not trained. Uh, we may say things. I think we're both pretty clued up on some stuff, but we may say things that might not be the right uh, terminology, vernacular or whatever. We are not We are not trained mental health professionals. We are just a couple of guys we, who we, you know, have our own experiences. <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i think uh you know the best thing for us to to do really would be just to have a little bit of a discussion around our kind of experiences with mental health if you're you're comfortable to sort of go first is is great if not i'm, I'm happy to yeah no, do something but i know before we uh before we recorded you, you know we started having a conversation it started flowing pretty well and then we stopped ourselves when hang on <laughs>
0: big red button <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so i i'm more than happy to to sort of start and and sort of going back in in time really to to sort of figure out when i first really became aware of not necessarily my mental health but just my brain um and and it was certainly as a as a teenager um early teenager possibly even sort of late child 11 12 13 that sort of age range um, I realised that I could turn my emotions on and off, just almost click into survival mode. Um, and if I didn't want to feel something, if I didn't, if I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, not liking how that's feeling," I would just shut it off. Um, and looking back, there's there's probably a number of reasons that I probably need to explore with a professional about that. <laughs> um but i was able to do that through um attending more funerals than a teenager probably should um with with elderly relatives who one of whom i was very very close with being being my nan who died when i was uh ooh, 14, closely followed by another death which uh, i won't go into too much details but it was fairly harrowing um and i, I just i just Shut down really emotionally, and I just carried on. And that, looking back now with hindsight, that very quickly became my default. Like, I was always known at school as like no one could, no one could flap me, no one, no one could worry me. Cool, calm, collected, had an answer for everything, pretty quick witted, and just made a joke out of everything, never took anything seriously. Um, looking back, that was just me. Shutting down and just defaulting, mm. just humour, just give, just make people laugh, and will make them go away. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which, um, yeah, I, I then I then I left I left school at sixteen um, with with some GCSEs, not many, <laughs> and uh, went straight into work. Um, and one of the first things that I still think about to this day, actually, is. Um, I didn't keep in contact with any of my friends from school. Um, and it's something actually that's been happening recently as well, where I stopped making an effort and no one ever reached out. Hmm. Um, and I know that's going to happen with some people, but this was a group of 15 guys and girls, maybe 20 guys and girls that, we were tight. Like every weekend, most days after school, I'd be seeing at least one or two of them. Um, and they just went and I have sort of hits on the loneliness thing that I mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, and, and I was very, very lonely for a long time. Uh, I ended up sort of getting back in contact with, with one particular friend, um, and kind of clung to him really. Um, we grew up, we kind of grew apart as well. Um, but I still clung to him cause he was, he was like, he's my friend kind of thing. Um, went off, uh, <laughs> went off with a girl, had a kid <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who, um, I love dearly. Um, but the, the relationship didn't work out. Um, and as that relationship was winding down, um, I had a, a, a friend of mine pass away. Uh, I wasn't enjoying my job, um, and I spiraled downward. I uh, moved back in with my mum after the separation, and this was the first sort of big dip—the first time I really went. Let's just let's just flick that switch in my brain, see what's going on. Oh, there's an awful lot there that came <laughs> rushing to the surface, and. Yeah, move, move, moved back in to my mum's house and, um, realized fairly quickly that I was not okay. Um, mm. and so I, I reached out to people around me with completely negative results. Um, one person actually said, I don't want to hear this when I was uh, speaking yeah. about the big one. Hmm. Um those, those big, really, really bad thoughts. Uh yeah, one person actually said, I don't want to hear this. I was like, Oh, okay, I'll just turn it back off then. I couldn't. It was at that point I realised I can't turn this back off. I like, I can't push this back down. It's it's out now. Uh, it's one of those um sort of coiled snakes in a can. Like that ain't going back in easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I ended up going to the doctors um on, on the advice of my girlfriend. Or the lady i would just started seeing who is now my wife and uh yeah i was fairly immediately put on antidepressants
1: mm-hmm.
0: fairly quickly put on sleeping tablets so i think at that point i think i'd slept about three hours in a week just couldn't literally just could not turn my brain off it was just noise all the time didn't take any time off work which i probably should have done but i think i was young and i was like now nah, i could just push through it I, got the tablets mm-hmm. out sorted out and the doctor referred to it as situational depression um the doctor was very good actually i will say and i don't know if that's a, na- a that's a medical terminology or if it's natural type of depression but he basically said there's too much stuff that's happened in a short space of time your brain can't process it yeah and i went well that makes complete sense absolutely mm. that's exactly what is going on and he said the sleeping tablets will help you sleep allow your brain to do what it needs to do and the antidepressants will just level you so you can actually then work through it as well oh. um and that was kind of my first big dip really yeah it was, a, it was it was very much situational but it's it's always sort of growing up so i kept saying there i could just turn my emotions off that was i always kind of knew that wasn't wasn't normal i shouldn't hmm. be able to do that but i just kind of when, oh, well, it's just who I am. It's just what I can do. So it's useful kind of. Thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my first, first outing into, uh, into the world of mental health.
1: You know, I was, um, obviously listeners won't know, I was smiling a little bit at the beginning, which it wasn't me being callous. Uh, but there's a lot of the earlier stuff that I completely relate to. Mm. Very much so. Yeah, in terms of things like the the you know, the group of people, I did get to a point where I was always organising things. I was always sorting things. So I thought, you know what? I'm just not gonna bother. I'm not gonna message people. And then uh, no one ever messaged me. I was like, okay, I guess I was the problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it,
0: and but um, it's a bit of a kick in the nuts, isn't it? And it's like, okay, it so they only kept me around as admin.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and you just
1: yeah, because it, it does. Um, The way that my brain works, as James will know, it goes all over the shop. I overthink everything Mm. Um, and I overanalyze everything. So I I like to try and keep myself grounded because people will say stuff to me sometimes and I'll think, and then I'll kind of sit back down and think about it. And even now, as I'm saying this for my liking, I've used the word I too much. I think it's (laughs) arrogant and it's about me, 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 right? my brain straight away when I started saying it it was like, you're talking about yourself too much, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's things like that. Whereas, you know, if, if people stop contacting me, well, I'm the common denominator. I'm the reason. So it's my fault, you know, but that's why I I was smiling because I, I could, I could, uh, relate to a fair, fair bit of that really. Like he said, I think what's interesting is mine and yours experience, although there are some the same, we got different, types if that's the right terminology like you said yours was kind of um part of it was the fact that you were locking a lot of stuff away um you talk about it as if like a a switching your emotions on and off that sounds like a defense mechanism so really that Mm. is just another way of saying sort of locking stuff away really yeah um i tried to hide things which is similar um Because I was made to feel. That's the right terminology. But I was made to feel like there was something wrong with me Mm -hmm. as a child. Because there was. But (laughs) I was diagnosed with ADHD as a child in the 90s. Which in the 90s was still, "Eh, it's not a real thing. It's just bad parenting.
0: There was a heavy stigma attached to that diagnosis. And and a complete lack of understanding around it not just not just in the general public i would actually say in in the medical world as well i think that it it's only really in the last five or six years Mm -hmm. five to eight years we'll give them some give them some leeway um, where that it's become much more commonplace um of understanding and people Mm -hmm. going oh i do that (laughs) yeah i mean a lot of the stuff comes out i go
1: oh yeah yeah and when you look at, you know, sort of, I'm going to sound arrogant again now, but I worked very hard to get to where I am now and perhaps harder than a lot of people that would have been in my position, if that makes sense. Cause I'm not at work. I'm in a good position, but I'm not like, you know, a freaking millionaire world leader, whatever. But for where I am, I think I had to work a lot harder to get there than other people, perhaps in my role, because I had to overcome a lot of, a lot of those sorts of bits. But my, my, um, one of my parents who who didn't live at home was very, very anti it, thought it was all BS, so would tell me that. And if I was misbehaving, I was misbehaving, and that was kind of it. So I grew up feeling that. And also, uh, I won't get into the ins and outs of what they are, but my, I mentioned it before, and she's fine with that side of it. My mum has a history of mental health. And as a child, I'm going to say something which is going to sound horrible, but as a child, uh, one of my biggest fears, and it's still there, is, uh, this is how I once worded it to my sister, I don't want to be effing mental like my mum. Right? That was like my biggest fear as a kid. Cause I can yep. see parts of my behavior that I see from her. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I never wanted, and I still don't, it's still one of my fears, but I'd see it differently. Obviously I don't want my kids to view me the way I view my mum in that sense. I yeah. don't want that. It really worries me. Um, so it's, you know, it's only really been the last couple of years since I had the Tourette's diagnosis. Uh, I actually worked out what Tourette's is because I thought it was just me moving my shoulders about a bit funny. And that some people swear I never realized how much there was to it. Mm. And once it was all kind of explained, I knew I had a history with depression. I knew that, obviously. But this is what I mean about our types, if you like, is different. Yours is, what was the terminology? Situational? yeah
0: situational depression um and as i mm. say, i think i think it might well have been just a way the doctor was explaining it to me yeah mm, um, sure. kind of i'm not i'm not i'm not not intelligent but uh, i very much felt like he dumbed it down for me because i was i was very much like oh i'm fine i'm fine i'm here because my girlfriends made me come um <laughs> and, and <laughs> kind of thing and yeah. he was like so what's going on and i told him everything that had been going on and he went yeah, that's quite a lot. Are you okay? And I was like, no. (laughs) No, I'm
1: not. (laughs) Um, But that's um, really, that's really, that says a lot about you as a person, that you were able to say that. Because a lot of people would have gone, I'm all right, you know, I'm dealing, whatever, and would have hit. The fact that you, in that moment, took that step says a lot about your character.
0: Yeah, I think the follow-up phrase was, but it doesn't really matter. I'll be fine. <laughs> so it's—I I was cracking open the door, but then very quickly slamming it shut, um, hmm. which has always kind of been because it was—it was that kind of sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, and and growing up, that was not really a thing. No. Nah. Um. It, well, as 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 a bloke, and also just my experience growing up in in my household, it it was just okay. a, it was just kind of a. Yeah. There was always, I was the only boy. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents separated. Um, my mom had a partner who didn't last and then married my stepdad when I was, they got together when I was seven, married when I was eight. And my parents separated when I was two. Mm-hmm. So quite a big chunk of formative years. Um, with turns out, I don't, I, I don't have any fond memories of that in between person so yeah it's um formative years kind of suck it up and get on with it kind of kind of situations mm. um and then even even when my stepdad was on the scene it was kind of a very much a kind of suck it up and get on with it kind of household we all kind mm. of did that we don't we don't talk about feelings we don't talk about money we don't talk about anything really yeah, we're, we're all quite private <laughs> um and that's that's led to something that you've just said of of hiding things like i've never been particularly good with money and i hid it for many many years from um my girlfriend now wife um and that's that's caused some issues obviously understandably so um Mm. yeah it's uh there's lots of sort of behaviors around um growing up and, and, and being raised and how you're raised. I would say my parents don't have a, my mom and my dad don't have a good relationship,
1: mm-hmm.
0: never have done. Um, and so I've kind of lived my entire knowledgeable life in terms of as far back as I can remember, not, not having a good relationship between my parents, which in turn has, has sort of made me go, I don't care what's happened between me and my ex. I'm going to be civil with her and I'm going to be nice um, <laughs> for for my daughter. Um, and so she will never see me react or, or anything. And, and to be fair, there's only been a handful, handful of occasions where there have been sort of proper disagreements and maybe a little bit of raised voice, but never from me. Um, <laughs> I've just been firm, like, nope. This is this is the stance I'm taking. I'm not going to change my mind. Let's just discuss it, um, sort of thing. Um, and that's that's kind of my that's my reaction to witnessing what I witnessed growing up. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so then,
1: because of that, was that was that an impact on you as well? In the and obviously, you don't have to answer any questions I ask you. But is that? Uh, <laughs> impacting you as well when that decision was made however it was made between you and your ex-partner that you had that in your head that that was now a quote-unquote broken home if you excuse the terminology was
0: that weighing on you as well oh absolutely um i, I took a lot of, so i i was the one to to end things and and, and i moved out mm. um but in the lead up to that i had to i had to kind of make the decision of my daughter is a very similar age to I was when my parents separated and I kind of sat there and I took a long time to think about this. Um, I went, i either suck this up and hope it gets better. Mm. Or I do what I am feeling is the right course of action and leave for high benefit,
1: but do it the right way.
0: Yeah. Um, Mm. and, and it's people separate all the time. Kids Mm. come from the quote unquote broken homes, all the time and a lot of them are perfectly fine. I think it's very normal. common. Yeah it certainly is now. Um Well even when I when I
1: grew up, I could name you at that time, and I don't think any of them really together now, but I think even at that time when I was maybe fourteen, fifteen, I think probably just a handful of my friends' parents were actually still
0: together. Yeah. Yeah. It's um Yeah, whereas I think just trying to think back, primary school. Definitely was very common. Um, it, was, it was probably sort of that, that statistic that was floating around in the, in the 90s, 50% of marriages fail. It was about that. When I went to high school and the group of friends I had, um, it was probably only, I, I felt like I was the only one at times. Okay. Um, or being like, oh, no, I can't come out this Sunday and see my dad. Mm. But that was just so normal to me at the time. Um, that I never really thought about it until sort of looking back um and looking back very recently as well uh yeah it's uh yeah it's i don't that might have been a factor in them not really following up with me um uh, it could be any number of things i'm not going to try and second guess people's motivations or thought processes but it's i've thought about all of that over the years of what what was the reason why was i why was, I, why was I damaged? Uh, why was I broken and, and left behind sort of thing? Um, as you do in those, in those sort of darker moments. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's a, weird, it's a weird scenario to sort of sit down and think about of why don't people like me? Because obviously everyone likes to think that they're liked. Everyone likes to think that they're the good guy, uh, the hero of their own story or whatever it is. Um, mm. I probably was a bit of a dick at school. Uh, probably was I, w- I went through some stuff and i didn't know how to handle it and it would have come out whilst i think i'd shut down my emotions it would have come out somewhere mm. so yeah it's uh if anyone's listening to this that went to school with me and i was a dick sorry um i'm different mm. now <laughs> <laughs> i know i was a dick at school so
1: <laughs> i know i was I think anyone I've done coming, I apologise, and I ain't apologizing apologise to you guys anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think I think anyone coming out of high school who doesn't think they're a dick is, is a little bit delusional. I
1: was a big time. Yeah, I was. I was big time. Yeah, I was horrible. It, it, I was actually having this discussion um, a couple of days ago with a, uh, a friend. Um, that this isn't bullshit. This is this is yeah, absolutely one hundred percent truth. I don't remember a lot from high school. Whether it's blocked out, whether it's whatever, but I, I don't remember a lot. And people will tell me I did certain things and I just have to believe them because it is the sort of thing I would have done at that time. Yeah. I remember things like throwing tables and I remember stuff like this. People will tell me other things and I'm like, sounds like I could have done that. But I look back at that person that I was as a teenager and it is a completely different person. Hmm. When when I hear people say people can't change, that irritates me because I know that they can
0: because I did. I'm not being funny. Um, we change via growing. Like, I'm sorry. Are you a toddler for your entire life? My my my. I've got two children that I live with full time now with my wife. I've obviously got uh, an older child that I've spoken about already. Um, I've seen them all grow up. They've all changed. Mm-hmm. Like my my kids are were narcissistic little toddlers because that's what toddlers are. Yeah. <laughs> um completely self-centered and, and my son has grown into um a beautifully kind sensitive boy um and 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 my youngest is um is a teenager nager uh, <laughs> she's a terror at the moment yeah oh, she's brilliant she's um, she's just so angry all the time <laughs> But um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I mean,
1: uh, people, like I say, adults, that say, oh, "I'm never going to change for anyone." You're a dick, man. You need to take your what happens and uh, and alter. And, and the, you know, there are going to be people in the world that only remember or know me from when I was at school, and they always judge me on that. That's fine. Yeah, I I've I'm at peace with it. I you know the people that matter, and by that I mean. people that i care about or the people that i may have hurt or upset in that time um you know there is a a a person who on our show we called him jose um and jose is exactly the same age as me on the day exactly the same and at school i I was heavily bullied at school Uh, and it's not this isn't a yeah and it's not this isn't an excuse I was heavily bullied at school and I used to lash out at Jose. I was horrible to Jose. I would call him all sorts of names that would get me on all kinds of different lists these days. I'm sure. Uh, I used to start fights with him cause I knew that he would react and that I could win. Um, I was horrible. I was awful. Um, and that was me. I was being lashed out at. So then I was lashing out and it's not an excuse uh, it was wrong it is what happened um i would but, go as far as saying i bullied him
0: but it is what happens isn't it you you see it time and time again if you look into sort of the the bully psyche mm. they're generally getting it from somewhere else and they're just passing it on they they're parroting the behavior um
1: yeah I, I was a very angry child um for many reasons uh, looking back at it, because again, at that time, I wouldn't allow myself because the way that I was sort of taught by the parent that didn't live at home, um, I wouldn't allow myself to blame my behavior on other things, if that makes sense. I had to take ownership, which is a good thing. You do need to do that as well. You need to get that balance right. Um, but I would just lash out. Um, and I'm not saying they used to like steal his lunch money and wait for him around the corner or anything like that. But there were occasions over that whatever year period where I started fights with him mm. because I was angry and I was like, I'm going to start a fight with him or I said something horrible to him. Uh, there was one occasion where I threw a, I believe it was empty. I don't know, but I threw a plastic bottle at him and the bottle cap caught him on the head and he was bleeding. Mm. Right. So I was horrible. Um, that is the kind of person that would affect. Now for clarification, he is one of my best friends on the planet. He came to my wedding. I've been to his wedding. We've both been through some stuff for the last few years, and we've both been there for each other. He knows that if he needs me, as proven a little while ago, I will drop everything for him. He'll drop everything for me. We have not just a friendship, but we love each other very much. And I do not that's something you wouldn't say years <laughs> ago. But we do. We've got a, we've got a love for each other. Um, Brothers. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I would do anything for him. He would do anything for me. And that came from a couple of years after school where already I had changed. I grew up very quickly after school. To be fair, the last year of school, I started to go through that change. Uh, I think I hit – I don't remember the exact moment, but I know I hit the lowest ebb that I could have hit at that point as a teenager, for example. Not the lowest ebb I ever hit, but at that point where – one of my key things when I was a kid was I desperately wanted people to like me to the point where I was incessantly irritating and I was, uh, like I said, I had the anger issues so people would wind me up because they knew that I would react. I wouldn't. I, For example, my humor, James, you know, you know, kind of humor I've got. I've always been quite quick witted, if I do say so myself, mm. but. As a young teen, let's say, 12, 13, I'd think something funny, and I'd go, don't say that, because you look like a fucking idiot. Mm. So I would think it would be better to be brooding and quiet and whatever. Right, i just look like an angry little tosspot. Um, so something happened in the last year. I think my brain just went, what's the point? Don't try anymore. Just finished. I'm done caring. I'm done trying. And it um, was the best thing that ever happened, because... I then didn't care. I legitimately did not care what people thought about me for the first time in my life. And I was in support studies, (laughs) uh, which was a little lesson where they would put the kids that weren't doing their work and they'd stick them in there for one hour a week and they would do some work. And um, I just made this group of friends which were at school. You had groups. I'm sure you were the same. You had, absolutely. You know, we talk, spoke about it jokingly on our podcast. You had the nerds, you had the Gribos and whatever. And you had the people that were just cool for the sake of it.
0: Mm.
1: Well, they Tri-hubs. were the friends that I, well, <laughs> they, they weren't even trying. They were just like, they were just cool, man. Everyone liked them. Chav's oh, liked the, them.
0: Just the, naturally, they just fit in anywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. just liked them. It didn't matter. Everyone, it didn't matter who you spoke to. Everyone was like, oh yeah, those guys are cool. No one cared. And I made friends with them in the last year of school. And because I was suddenly in that group, other people then started talking to me and and whatever else. And that kind of changed my personality a little bit. I'd been for anger management at that point, so that changed it. And when I went to work, that really woke me up. So by the time that um, I was 17, I went and did a media course for a little while with a certain Mr. Fitch, where he was in a different class. And a friend of mine at the time uh, was also friends with Jose. And we went out together. I remember it was a bowling alley Um, and we were both just there because we had a a friend together and I looked at him and he was looking over at me and I was like, I just overcome with guilt, but you know, like you don't want to talk about things like that and and the other. So it took a couple of drinks to be, to be brave as it were, which is stupid, but that's what it was. And I went up and spoke to him and I apologized and I sort of, Bed and I I didn't even mention the fact that I was bullied or anything like that because I didn't want to sound like I was excusing my behaviour. And it was like, all right, yeah, you, know, you know, I I appreciate you saying that and thanks for saying that. I was like, you don't need to thank that's not what I'm after. You don't have to thank me or anything like that. I just needed to say it to you. Um and then we kind of relaxed around each other and we've had we we joke about it now, not not in a horrible way, but you know, it's we are very, very close and it you know, I told that story to someone before, and they said, "You know, fair play to you." I said, "No, no, no not fair play to me because I shouldn't have done it. Fair play to him because he could have told me
0: F off, mate,' and he would have been well within his rights to do that. Totally justified, but 100% justified. It's kind of that. It's kind of that bigger man. It's bigger. It's bigger person to forgive and forget hmm. um, than let something fester on and hmm. let it affect you."
1: Everyone that I feel I have done wrong to, I have apologized to. Mm. And some have accepted and some haven't, and that's life. But I I know that I I can rest easy in that because I like to think I'm a good person. I care about other people's feelings, not just how Mm -hmm. it affects mine. Um, And the idea that anyone was ever upset by me, like I said, I was a different person. Um, And I can blame deaths in the family. I can blame parents been up I can blame other things that happened that I think I mentioned to you before I can blame all kinds of things at the end of the day I made those decisions and that's it
0: yeah and it's it comes down to um kind of one of the reasons I wanted to be out there talking about this subject is Mm. I have various conversations with my wife about what the, the classic phrase of why are you the way you are, um, <laughs> which my wife, my wife throws at me quite regularly. Um, cause I, I, am just a bit odd as, as you would have heard of on the end of a recent randomizers where Ben walked away and I was just making weird noises. I just sit there and do that. Like that's not, that wasn't for the show. I will sit there of an evening watching TV and I'll just start doing it. I'll just start entertaining myself. Um, you definitely got adhd bro yeah (laughs) Yeah. um yeah i i i went to the doctors not that long ago um to explore that possibility and um i was basically told like you you have it i can't give you the diagnosis but from what you've told me you have Mm -hmm. it um they sent it off and they went oh it's it's not life debilitating and we're overworked at the moment so tough shit basically (laughs) i was like ah good old nhs Um, (laughs) um but since then I've I've sort of looked into sort of how to manage manage it and, and how to sort of target my brain. Um just to sort of manage things a bit better as well. Um but no, it's it's one of those things that I often end up talking through and sort of having a number of different sort of epiphanies or aha moments. And I often have to end up saying, This isn't me giving you an excuse. This is me just figuring it out. I'm not excusing my behavior or what I've done wrong or the stances I've taken. I'm just looking for meaning hmm. um, and, and trying to understand why I behaved that way and why I think this way so I can not do it again. Um, and it's that thing of, of it's not an excuse, but it's a reason. is always been quite a big thing for me it's all about trying to figure out why you are the way you are. I'm very much speaking about myself here. Um, Why I am the way I am, why I do the things I do and how can I take those little steps and make those little changes to completely change the course of my life.
1: Um, And a lot of pressure on yourself with that though. (laughs) You are. you put a lot of pressure on yourself with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know what? I've always, I've, my mum actually bought me a t-shirt when I was a teenager, which just had written across the front of it, destined for greatness, but pacing myself. Um, and I sort of laughed about it, but then as I was growing up, like I didn't try hard. I left school. I went into, um, a sales job. I stayed in that sales job for 12 years and then went into the profession. I now do, and I'm now doing a university degree, um, to further that career. Um, and since, since me and my wife got married, um, we went on our honeymoon and came back and I started my current job. So I had a complete career change still in the same industry, but complete career change. And I was like, no, this is it. This is this is my chance to rectify the wrongs in my attitude um, and my work ethic. Um, and I just don't think I really had the headspace prior to that. I was always thinking, thinking but not thinking. I was kind of paralyzed with thought. Um, and so I just never really focused on anything because I could coast by. I'd always managed to coast by. Um but since, since then, I've bought two properties with my wife, had another two children, um, currently doing a refurb. So my, my plate at the moment, people often ask, like, are quite surprised about how much I have on my plate and why I was mm. going to take on a co-hosting of a podcast <laughs> as well. So, um, yeah, I have a full-time job, two children who don't like to sleep, um, a refurb house, uh, co-host of a podcast. I've just taken on an allotment, um, <laughs> and um, and and still seeing and being an impact in in my older daughter's life, which involves travelling up to Yorkshire or meeting halfway to collect her and drop her back off a few days later, or whatever it may be. Um, and, and yeah, people are just like, you are, you are busy and i'm just like yeah it's a good job i don't sleep <laughs> <laughs> um a surprising amount of
1: energy drinks you drink well precisely
0: <laughs> i do i have found that after recording because we normally recording we normally start recording around about now mm. um which is uh, <laughs> I'm, i that's when i crack open the first energy energy drink <laughs> and it's just like i'm then sat there at 1am going I wonder how I'm bloody sleep. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm super so productive. I <laughs> I, I mean, I'm either super productive or I sit there and I procrastinate. Mm. But I had to give myself a kick recently with um, with my uni course. It's all done on coursework, mm-hmm. and because I've been in the industry for best part of twenty years at this point in time, um, and in the actual job which my degree is in for the last seven years it it's it's felt a little bit like a box ticking exercise it's kind of teaching me to suck eggs a little bit because i've obviously started in year one which is this is the intro to what what i do um Mm -hmm. and i it almost became a bit of a game of how late could i leave starting my coursework and still pass (laughs) Um, and then I turned around two pieces of coursework in four days. Like start to finish. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, and I passed by four marks on, on the second one. And that was the wake up course. Like that was a little bit too close. Mm -hmm. And so I gave myself a week on each. I was like, right. Okay. The week, a week is probably going to be the sweet spot. And I'll, Back up to my normal level of scores um but it's, it's weird sort of my brain keeps throwing me curveballs of how i deal with things
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it takes me a little while to fall into what i'm doing like my wife jokingly sort of went Oh, the, the flower beds need weeding a couple of months ago and she was like oh james can you um you just pull out those couple of things there pull out the brambles next thing she knows it's three hours later and I've weeded the whole bed because <laughs> I hope I hyper fixated on it and <laughs> she was like oh yeah I'm just utilizing your ADHD brain <laughs> and but it benefits me so I don't mind it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that, that that is a part of it because um like I said to you earlier I'm very obsessive mm. um really and then uh i think i told you before when i before i got married i decided i needed to lose weight i told you this no no you haven't uh, i decided i needed to lose weight i've always had an issue with my weight it's, it's up upborne, it is down um my mum is anorexic mm-hmm. as part of her mental health history so she's always had a relationship with food um so when we were growing up everything well she couldn't cook anyway bless her but she, she can't cook um but everything was like she'd be going, oh, you're getting that or you're this or you're that. And she would try and put you on diets. So I was put on a specialist diet when I was eight, I think, or nine, mm-hmm. uh, because she wanted to see if certain foods made me hyperactive and also whatever. And I was quite skinny then. So literally she cut everything out of my diet, apart from rice cakes, pineapple juice and goat's cheese. That was it. An eight year old. And then one by one introduced bits into my diet. And wonder why I got fat when I was able to study and stuff. So I've, I've always had a bit of an issue with it. Um, and we were getting nearer and nearer to the wedding. And I looked in the mirror, as you sometimes do, and you go, oh, God fucking stay here. Sorry for swearing. I don't know if we're doing that on here. Freaking, if we're not, sigh. We are now. <laughs> yeah. Freaking uh, fat so and so, whatever. And um, I was like, right, I'm going to diet. I need to lose weight. And I obsessed with it uh, to the point where I was weighing myself twice a day. And if by the end of the day, I did not see anything, any improvement, I was very, very angry with myself. Mm. I lost three stone in a month. Jesus Christ. I was told by someone that's impossible. Uh, it wasn't impossible because did it. shouldn't have done it, but I did it. I, say, but you um, I love when people say stuff it. like that. Well, I... I felt great at the time I felt fantastic my uh you know mental health wise I felt bloody brilliant mm. but uh looking back I don't look quite right mm. um and I'm not saying I got down to like seven stone or anything I'd be glad I think I was 15 something I got down to 11 stone or something in the end like that was the final point that i reached um i'll send a picture to james later of uh, of me the the year i got married in the september i got married in the in the june to so send james to see um did i i think it didn't suit me uh, <laughs> i've got quite broad shoulders i'm not a tall lad but i've got quite broad shoulders always been been a bit bit like that but um i absolutely obsessed with it so now people talk to you about diets i've got i have got uh, qualifications in nutrition I know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I can't do it. Mm. And that's not me. Like people say, no, such words can't. It's not healthy for me to do it. And I actually said this to my wife the other day, my wife can't help not do that. Um, It's like a tick, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh
0: yeah.
1: I've not been in a great place recently, as I've said to James. And usually, unfortunately, when I am in that bout, as we call it, uh, that's when I, I am very self-loathing, etc. And one of those things obviously would be weight. Mm-hmm. So I go, I'm going to diet. And it's always at that point when I decide I'm going to do it. And I get obsessive for a couple of days and then I go, and then I catch myself and I stop. So that's mm-hmm. why when I say I can't diet, it's not mentally healthy for me to do that. Sometimes I can improve my eating habits, but if I'm going to do a diet, I need to see results and I need to see them every day. Yeah. Um, i worked out a system don't copy this guys <laughs> it's not healthy i put it all back on so every morning i would get up and i would drink uh water when i woke up with vinegar in it i would drink vinegar water every morning and then i would have a bowl of uh cereal but it was usually like bran flakes without any uh, seasoning? I nearly said. You know, I mean, sugar or
0: anything. A bit of milk. <laughs> no seasoning on this. No cereal. seasoning.
1: Yeah, didn't. I didn't sear it. No, I no, didn't no put salt pepper on it. it. <laughs> yeah, no paprika. <pre-care>. Just <laughs> boring. Um, and then I would drink water again afterwards. And then uh, during the day at work, because I never, I never used to eat during the day. I didn't eat breakfast. Didn't eat lunch. Anything because I'm crap at that. Um, when you're working as a chef, I think you know, you just get into the habit of that which also is unhealthy. Um, at lunch, I would have one slice of brown bread in half uh, with a slice of ham in it, no butter or anything, uh, a yogurt, uh, life, yeah zero fat, zero taste, uh, <laughs> and a piece of fruit. After, oh, I forgot, after a glass of water with vinegar. And then I would have that. And then in the afternoon, I would have my water. So I was, I was filling up on water before I ate my meal essentially was what I was doing. And the vinegar was, um, unhealthily going through my system. So that was a bit of a clear up. Then I would have a, my main meal of the day, which sometimes was plain chicken with rice and vegetables, but sometimes steak and chips and stuff like that. I would have something, you know, like that. That was my meal. That was, yeah. You know, I really look forward to it. Mm. <laughs> I would have that. And then I would go on a cross trainer and I would burn off all the calories I just ate after my meal I would eat my meal I would rest for 10 minutes I would go on my cross trainer and I would go on there for about half an hour and burn that off I also had a, row, a rowing machine for a little bit as well um, and then I wouldn't eat again so that would be before 7 o'clock and I wouldn't eat again after 7 till <laughs> breakfast the next day and I would do it all over again and that's all I ate and all I did for those uh, for that month for example that's how I lost it. That's intense. Every morning I check the scales, and every evening I check the scales. Yeah. I remember one day I'd only lost one pound in a day, and I was fuming, furious with myself. You're
0: probably just sat there thinking, how
1: how have I how have I not lost any more than that? Because the next day, when I weighed myself that day, because of my metabolism and everything, then I could see a difference. But if I saw that, I'm like, you lose that, you can't. Mm. You can't do this. You freaking useless, it's going to be a fat mess, wedding and just all these horrible, horrible thoughts Um, I don't know how I got onto that but (laughs) but but, you know and it's like earlier on I mentioned about the uh, the way my brain works I'm sitting here now thinking everyone's going to think I'm a horrible person because I bullied this lad Um, I think it's important to not I don't have secrets about what happened um, because it was part of part of what happened um but you know i think we are sometimes our own worst enemies with with worrying about things like that
0: oh, yeah, the, the, the build-up of something in your own mind is always generally always worse than the actual reality of it and mm. there th- there might well be some people out there that are just going to be like no he's a bully once a bully always a bully and, you know what you you've missed the point Mm. You're not saying that you weren't a bully. You're you're actively saying you were, and you've gone and apologised to that person. Mm. And they've forgiven you. Mm. And actually at that point in time, it's no one else's business. You've you've been the bigger, you've been the initial bigger person. Because it does take a big person to do it. Let's not put down the difficulty in which you had to go and do that and then sort of work that up, work up the courage to do that. He was also then a very, very big person, and 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 accepted that, and mm. has then been an even bigger person, and continued a friendship with you.
1: Yeah, like I say, one right. of my closest friends in the world. Uh, I know if I ever need anything, I can go to him, and if he ever needs anything, he can come to me.
0: Mm. And that is, I think, I think, I think the social media age has given everyone the wrong idea that their opinion matters on every Mm. little interaction. Now, people can come in and comment. Fine. That's your opinion. You, you don't know the ins and outs. You don't know the nuances of what's happened. You don't know really anything. You've Mm. come in and seen a couple of buzzwords that have triggered something in your own brain and you have zeroed in on that and everything else is noise. Um, and that's, that's one of the biggest frustrations with, with me and social media as well. It's, um, and, and, and experiences outside of social media actually is sometimes people have heard a rumor or mm-hmm. heard something and it's gospel and no one's ever come and asked me, is this legit? Is this true? Is this what's going on? Um, mm. And, um, it's one of the, one of the reasons, one of the reasons I was bullied at school is someone started a rumor. Um, and I tried denying it. Everyone carried on. And so in the end, I was like, yeah, you know what? It's fine. It's true. Yeah. Whatever. What are you going to do? Hmm. The answer was ramp up the bullying. Um, <laughs> 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 um but it was something that, wasn't even on my radar as, as a problem, but it was, it was a rumor that I was, I was bi. Um, and, Oh, but back when we were growing up, yeah, that, that was the thing. Yeah. That, that yeah. was the thing that I'm not saying there isn't,
1: but when we were kids, that was, you know, that was the era of time where people were coming out more, but it was mm. still ridiculed. So it was a little bit more common knowledge. And that was when people would call you gay as a derogatory, to yeah. and yeah, yeah 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 that was kind of the yeah. height of that really wasn't it
0: and yeah and it kind of it kind of got to a point where in the end i was just like i am denying this nothing's changing so right, right let's just see what happens <laughs> I mean, i'm perfectly comfortable with my own sexuality and if people want to think that i'm attracted to men fine if people want Never. to think i'm attracted to women fine i look at certain men brian reynolds very, very beautiful man. <laughs> I can judge that completely objectively. Yeah. Um and, and I'm trying can totally understand okay when about. someone's handsome, when someone's good looking. Yeah. And but at that point in in time, the mid noughties, it was like mm-hmm. if you said, Oh, Brian Reynolds, he's he's one handsome dude, you'd be like, Oh, you're gay. And it's like no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um a family member of mine, um, is is gay, um, and is is a lady, so lesbian. Use the correct terminology. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine about this. I was like, "Oh, this was announced to me last night." Um, and this one of the one of the, the the jocks. We'll call them that because everyone knows what that means. Um, so I walked past. And went, oh, "Will she sleep with me?" I was like, "Are you listening to what I'm saying?" <laughs> And it was just that thing of, of like that time period. It was just like, "Oh, I really used want to, to have say,
1: s- how many times did you hear when someone would come out as as being lesbian?" Um, people go, "Oh, what a waste!" My girlfriend disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was one. Of, I always remember that a friend of friend of ours at school called AJ. She was one of the first people I'd ever known to come out. She came out when she was about fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, She was one of the first people I ever knew to do it. And she actually, the embezzler, she went out with the embezzler for a little while. So, of Mm. course, for him, it became, you turned her, go. But she was in on that joke. She started that, rumor, So uh, that was fine. But um, she was one of them. And I I remember her saying it when someone said, oh, what a waste. You know, and she was like, my girlfriend doesn't think so.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it very much comes down to where you are at that time Mentally, on how you take those sorts of comments, doesn't it? Because you could be like, "Oh yeah, they're just people just want me for what I can give them or whatever." Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, it's it's a backhanded compliment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a pro but it's it's just a shift in perspective on how you see it. Yeah, um, yeah, and as as adults and as people who are very comfortable in in terms of what they're willing to talk about and and what they're willing to share their opinions on you can look at it and go it's a bit of a backhanded compliment Mm. it's not an actual compliment but it's that you can take it that way if you choose to or you can sort of get lost in it and and kind of um it let it affect you Mm. um but yeah like through my last two years at high school i was bullied mercilessly because i'd already gone through a year at that point of like denying it um and as I say, I'm. It doesn't matter what I am, <laughs> like it, it just doesn't. Um, but yeah, it was. It was when you're a teenager,
1: you know, and that's kind of the thing that you, you know, you, you are working out who you are, and mm-hmm. when people are hammering you on that, it does become a thing. It does bother you. I like mm-hmm. say now, you know, you are in that place where if someone thought about you, whatever, who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference. But as a teenager, especially during that time period. It would have affected you.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yes. People uh,
1: doing it in a derogatory way just to get a reaction, weren't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it kind of got to a point of, like, they're pushing and pushing and pushing with me saying no. So let's just say yes, and I might actually get some protection of people mm. going, oh, he's admitted it, he's admitted it, and just, they just move on. Um, didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but one of those things of, of teachers stood by it was being said to me openly in class. Um, and yeah, teachers just stood by. I don't think they knew how to deal with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that was a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> I hated school ever since. Um, I think I, I, I might've told this on, on Masters before, but when I was five, I think I started school when I was five. Um, you could start the term you turned five back then rather than kind of now everyone starts in the September. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I started when I was five and I remember walking home with my mum and I'd heard somewhere as a five-year-old that you could leave school at 16. <laughs> and I, I worked out how many years and how many months, I would then going to have to be at school for. And I said to my mum as a, as a five-year-old, I'm going to be at school for this many, this many years and this many months. And then I'm leaving. And she kind of laughed it off. Like, oh, he's not enjoying school. Fine. He'll get used to it. Whatever. It is what it is. Me and my mum had to have an agreement that I would go back and sit my exams. <laughs> Cause <laughs> at, as I turned 16, I went, I'm See not ya. going back. Yeah. I went, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back.
1: I remember the deal. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I remember that statement. Uh, but that statement, that kind of, is an insight into how much I hated school. Um, like, as a five-year-old, I was like, "When can I get out of here?" <laughs> and, and that didn't change at any at any of the eleven years I was at school.
1: It's, it's it's such it's an interesting thing. I'm not. I'm not. What I'm about to say, I don't mean negatively 21 that doesn't have kids or anything like that. I don't want to come across that way, but it's one of those things about when you have kids that your perspective changes massively in a lot of ways, I think. Mm. But I think even retroactively looking at your own, not just behavior, but experiences as a child, you know, my kids at the moment, my youngest especially love school and I don't want that to change. I want them to have positive experiences. Now there was an issue a little while ago, which I think I shared with you with my eldest where she came home with an injury which Mm. she had said at school was an accident when she got home she told us it wasn't and it was a bigger boy that did it and it just filled my body with this horrible horrible feeling Mm. uh, which i didn't want to affect her because i don't want her to not then enjoy school or whatever And, and she's been doing fine since um but it's really interesting i think when you when you have kids how that kind of shapes your your view of what how you were at school or how you you, you ex- existed and, and understanding maybe, you know, my relationship with my parents is, is rocky, let's say. Um, and similar situation to you. They split when I was, I was three. was similar, mm-hmm. similar age. Um, but I can kind of respect and understand sometimes that the way that I am or the way I've behaved in the past or whatever it may be, how that would affect them. Because if my daughter's said or felt the way that I feel about them, I'll be devastated. I'm not sure that a certain member of my family would be devastated if they knew I felt that way, because they do know I feel that way and I don't even think they care. <laughs> uh, but I I think on one hand, it maybe makes me a, a worse parent in the sense of, for myself, for my mental well-being. Yeah, but I think it makes me a better parent because I'm determined, like like I love you right? I'm not saying that to you James although I do you, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I love you it's like I love you my mum didn't say that for many many years just because of her mental health again I'm not going to go too much but she didn't and my father never said it until I got married basically um, and with my sisters he also didn't when they were growing up and they were always fighting for that and again mm-hmm. not, not too much but they were always fighting for that I tell my kids I love them every day several times mm-hmm. now they may sometimes grow up and think he's a knob or they might grow up and think oh you know he doesn't let me do this and don't do that I understand at some point they will be teenagers they won't want me around whatever they're never gonna wonder how I feel about them mm they're never going to have that pressure. Yeah. And there's no, little things that you can just using that experience for positive. Things. And again, I'm not saying that people that don't have kids don't self reflect and grow or anything. Like that. I'm not saying that, but having kids is, is a, when people say it changes the way you are, it doesn't just make you soppier, which it does. James will back me up. It does oh, make you soppier. i like a bitch now. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but like it changes on a lot of things, right? It does. I and I, I think
0: I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there quite well. It's it's um having kids really highlights how you were raised. Mm. And that is either a good thing or a bad thing, or somewhere in between. Somewhere on that spectrum. And it's yeah, there are, I, I remember growing up, both my parents, both my step parents, both my parents remarried, um, all four of them smoked heavily mm. in the house, like whatever nineties, noughties, all of it. Uh, it was just that time they were of that generation. And I was always, I remember as a little kid being like, I'm never going to smoke. I was, I, I've been out of, I've been out of school three months. I was smoking <laughs> <laughs> um, and I smoked then for 12 years and I, I then moved on to vaping as a method of, of quitting um, and and I'm five, five years nicotine-free now. Right. Um, I came very close the other day, not going to lie, uh, <laughs> but I yeah. know that if I start, I ain't stopping. Hmm. Um, so I just don't start. Um, because I did yeah. enjoy it, gave me that five-minute walk outside, calm down, collect my thoughts, figure out my next move, especially at work. Um, but I look at, I, look at, I look at my kids now, um, and I, f- I fail all the time on this, of I'm not going to parent them how I was parented. Hmm. And I, as I say, I fail on it because it's ingrained in me. It's all I know. Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I used to beat myself up about it. And I used to get really frustrated with myself, which in turn would just make it worse. Mm-hmm. Because then my, my, my temperament is shorter. Uh, my fuse is shorter with them. And it's I'm now at getting to a point where I've had some very, very difficult conversations with my wife about my brain. and and my experiences um and i would like to think we're sort of coming through some of the more tougher times with the kids Mm. certainly feeling that way um and um i realized that i hadn't fully stopped but i'd i'd slowed down telling them i loved them it was just kind of a casual love you guys and yeah,
1: I'm out the door. like you say, you're out doing all these hundreds of yeah. things and
0: in and out. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of in survival mode, whereas now I've kind of slowed down a bit and gone like, you know, you know, you will know, Get the next one. I'm 10 minutes late to a lecture. No one cares. My grades are what matters. It was, and was sorry. Go on. Um, and that that extra 10 minutes just allows me to get down on my knees, give them a cuddle, give them a kiss, tell them I love them um and and make sure they know that like, I make some
1: sh- of that was a result from the pandemic <sighs> oh god I pandemic. know that you obviously had some struggles <laughs> during that time yeah um, yeah
0: pandemic but was I, I,
1: I no, the reason I ask that is because I've heard that from a lot of people and I think I'm still I think you're starting to see it now um with our group chat I work a lot mm. We talk about it on the podcast. People probably think it's bollocks because I'm always on a podcast Everyone released every week. I work a lot of hours. I'm away a lot. I do a lot of of stuff. I do less now than I used to. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Um, Jesus. Yeah, I do. Um, Because occasionally I will tell you that I'm working, let's say, an hour from home or whatever, and I've taken the kids to school. Hmm. No, I never would have done that before. I'm like, I need to go to work. But I, due to pandemic, I am... I've always loved spending time with kids, but I'm making sure that, do you know what? They're only going to be this age once. And this is a key time for memories. I don't want them, although I'm doing it for the right reasons. I don't want them to grow up and be like, they didn't really see their dad. Yeah. You know, especially as that first eight months of the pandemic, I was working from home. Um, so that's what I do think. That's why we've got such a good relationship in the fact that they, they absolutely adore me. Mm. Uh, which they do and that not bit, but they do. My wife, my wife, she, um, if she, if she comes home from work, they go, "Mummy," and they give her a hug and a kiss and off they trot. When I get home from work, it's daddy, 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 daddy. And they just don't leave me alone. Yeah. So I try and do as much as I can at work so that when I'm at home, you know, I don't have to when they go to sleep, but it's lovely. I'm not, I'm not moaning about it, but um, that kind of changed the way that I approached work a little bit. So that's why I ask you if, if that had changed your approach a little bit
0: yeah so my my approach to work changed completely because i was completely office based and now we were starting to move to a more hybrid system they called it agile where i was um but yeah it's a hybrid working system where they basically changed our working contract we they've removed our base our base office and we could we were um we basically Nomads, it's remote, work. <laughs> remote workers, but we could go and drop in anywhere. We could work in a Starbucks. We could work in a corporate office. We could work from home. Didn't matter. Mm. Um, and, and, and the pandemic kind of, well, the pandemic shut up all the naysayers basically. We're going, Oh, I can't possibly do my work from home. Well, now you are. <laughs> so it's, um and since then I, I am a certainly a much more active role in my kid's life. Um, the so prime example is is um, for the last few days, my wife has thrown her back out, mm. um, and like it, it's felt like I've picked up four times the amount of work in the house, um, just because she's not able to, and there's no there's no sort of um why with me i've got to do all this extra stuff or and there's no oh look at me i'm doing all this stuff it's just just get on with it um but it involves taking my daughter to nursery which is in the next town over um getting back in time to then walk my son to school um and then finishing work and then starting work and that's by nine it's not a problem um but it's then leaving at three o'clock to go and get him coming back and just working in the lounge or in the garden with him around playing. Um, And then it's going to get my daughter from nursery uh, quarter to five, Um, sorting out a dinner, which to be honest, my wife does the food shopping. My wife does the majority of the cooking. She's a hundred percent remote and has always kind of preferred to do that. We have, we have pink and blue jobs in our house, um, but it's all done on preference rather than what, what like the gender norms um, or the gender stereotypes, I should say. Um, so yeah, we, we sort of refer to them as pink and blue jobs, but it's sort of very <laughs> tongue in cheek. Um, yeah, and, well, be careful how you pronounce blue jobs. <laughs> wow, <well>, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and this week I've kind of just picked up. I've picked up what she's had to put down. Um, and I am wrecked <laughs> and I'm still not sleeping cause I'm still drinking Red Bull. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's, but it's then I, I'm enjoying it as well because actually I've, I've been, my kids have been coming to me more, even though I'm about, um, they are naturally more inclined to, to my wife because, I've always been like I'm working I'm working from home especially with my yeah. daughter and my daughter was four weeks old when we went into lockdown
1: wow I didn't realize it was so well.
0: she's she's known nothing other than that no and so it's like daddy's on a call she leaves me alone and mm-hmm. if she sees me on my laptop she leaves me alone mostly <laughs> um <laughs> and I do get the odd meeting where they join in and they just sit yeah. on my lap <laughs> and it's just like well you know what we're all hard working. Yeah, yeah and if they
1: don't like it then they can log off i think everyone's pretty much pretty much cool with that sort of stuff i think it's it's you that thinks it's an issue because mm. i'm the same i am so sorry for the you know during the pandemic I was so sorry about the kids and they're like that's no, fine hello know. you know yeah. the
0: operational directors for the company
1: hi <laughs> <laughs> oh god
0: yeah um and it's like my, my daughter will walk up now and be like i've done a poo <laughs> as as only kids can um yeah I've got I've got a list of I've got a list on my phone of um things I never thought I would say. Okay. And it's I'll I'll I'll, I'll send you some snapshots of it. Of <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's just it's things like can you please get out the bongo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just looking at me, so we are we don't we're not a particularly strict household. We have we have rules, but we we're not like it's not militant far from it and i've often referred to my kids as somewhat feral um because <laughs> they both they both got sent to a um a forest nursery where oh, right. from the age of 3 they go to oh. the forest and they use a bow saw they start fires they start all all supervised don't
1: <laughs> I mean, no, no 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 just uh, just cuz i'd never heard of that until mm. my podcast partner fitch talked about his son going to
0: one yeah. He's someone to one as well. Yeah. yeah. Because, I never heard about it. No. And because my son is older um, and the industry my wife is in, she knows a lot about child development. Um, mm. And so she was like, boys in general learn better through mm. hands on learning. Doing, yeah. Doing rather than sitting and parroting. Um, and so obviously we sent one, so we have to send the other. Hmm um and and they both they both absolutely love it and my son's primary school actually has um a forest element to it but it's it's brand new it's only a couple of years old and they're still sort of integrating the children into it um but it's my son's class next term um sorry this term um and they're just about to start the introduction to it and he's going to walk in there and he's going to be like boom i'm home yeah like, <laughs> he comes home and he's straight out, straight out in the garden yeah. Um, pissing against the tree. Yeah. Pissing against oh wild wees, wild wees. <laughs> um, he had a friend over earlier and they both had a wild wee in the garden. Lovely. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah. All right. Thanks wild for creating the woo Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna kill me, pumpkins, isn't it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> um I things I thought you'd say. <laughs> yeah, That's gonna kill me, pumpkins. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's. But looking at your children. Really make, makes you analyze how you were raised and how you want to do it. Um, and I think a lot of people, I don't know, this might just be me and it might just be my sort of ADHD type. I don't actually have a diagnosis, so I feel a bit bad at saying oh, I have ADHD. Oh, mate, you got <laughs> it. Oh, no, I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I sent you into the club. I've got a diagnosis. I set you into you. the club.
0: Thank you. Uh, it's like the Masons get a recommendation in.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got Tourette's. So I've also got a funny handshake.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> <can do> that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's, I don't know if it's me. I'm just going, well, I've tried this. It hasn't worked within 10 minutes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm next. <laughs> it's mm. not going to work. Mm. I don't, I really struggle to give things time and I have to keep sort of saying to myself, like, give it time, give it time, give it time. like so almost come my mantra. Um, And yeah, like looking at, looking at the relationship I have with my kids now, I never experienced that with probably either of my parents. Um, I make sure I, uh, cuddle them. Um, we put them to bed and we're in, in there with them until they go to sleep. Um, and yeah, people are like, oh, they're, they're five and three. Are you not? ready to not do that anymore and i'm like no because there will be a day where i don't do that anymore and i'm i'm not ready for that yet like i love climbing in yeah. bed with one or both of them depending on who else is about um cuddling up and yeah some nights i I've, I've got very annoyed with it in the past but now i've just kind of reached that kind of almost zen moment of just like no you know what I'm just going to enjoy this. You're never going to get those moments back. Yeah. No. And, and like my son and my daughter falling asleep in, in, in my arms, like, and then me untangling myself from their clutches to go downstairs <laughs> and have dinner or record a podcast or wherever it is. <laughs> um, kind of that, that's, that, I, I live for those moments a lot yeah. of the time. Um, and I know by the time I was five, it was, Go to bed. Mm. Go brush your teeth. Go to bed. And it was I was on my own. I went upstairs on my own, brushed it. Quite often, didn't brush my teeth because uh, I'm a five year old boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, or I or I mucked about um or whatever. I got my pajamas on um and in, into bed. And and I would either read whatever I could to myself, or I'd listen to an audio book because um, I, I was that weird five-year-old in the 90s that had audio stories.
1: Cassettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: My favourite one, um, this is a real insight into my brain, is the is the Cold It story. <laughs> it's, a, it's a prisoner of war. <laughs> Esca- <laughs> escaping God. from a concentration camp. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, certainly, um, yeah. That'll do it. I love that. I love that story. I, I was going to get say,
1: of- I remember having the Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, yeah I had that or heavy metal music <laughs> that was kind of my upbringing <laughs> um, people wonder why I am the way I am <laughs> um, we'll be but, yeah, yeah absolutely um, but yeah it's it just makes you want to be the best parent you can be for your kids and like people who don't have kids will obviously grow and but it will be different triggers that make mm. them want to do that it will be different incentives that make them want to do that um i think for for a lot of people who have kids it's their kids
1: Mm. yeah yeah i agree um just you know how your how your brain deals with it i suppose because i say my my one of my traits really is i want to be i want to be a good dad Mm mm-hmm uh but i put too much pressure on myself to do it like everything has to be perfect if i'm going to take them somewhere i want them to enjoy it and if they're not enjoying it it's like it failed i get absolutely obsessive fault. with it and it's I'm my thing. fault yeah, yeah. and it, it's like, yeah. like you know i stay away sometimes at work you know um i'm okay for a night two is my limit really tomorrow night it's not going to be good yeah <laughs> because yeah. then i start feeling like i'm away too long
0: um and- I felt that exactly the same way. I was, I, I went up north to see my, my, my oldest. Um, and I was away from home for two nights and that first night I was tired after the drive and I kind of passed out on the bed and, and sort of woke up at like 2am and actually got ready for bed and into bed. Sort of thing. <laughs> Um, spent the day with, with my oldest as much as I could. She was doing a, doing a, a swimming gala. Um, and that night I had dinner on my own, which I always find weird to I went, I went to a restaurant, um, on my own. Oh, it's weird. I, yeah, yeah, it is. And I always feel a bit rushed. Um, <laughs> cause I feel like, I feel like I'm taking a whole table from them oh yeah um and it's so i'm always like oh yeah better, better eat this quick and it's and sort of sat there afterwards in the hotel room or whatever going oh i've got really bad indigestion and <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's all that's all pressures on myself but i'm forcing myself to do those because it's so far outside my comfort zone and normally mm. i'd just i'd go and get a kebab and eat it in my room or whatever um whereas now it's like no i'm gonna go and explore a little bit and be just I'll be happy being in my own presence yeah, um, and it's good that you feel like you, you know you want to because something i do i try
1: and push myself mm. sometimes I push myself too far but i try and push myself through uh
0: out of my comfort zone yeah yeah i i think i think it's part of the journey towards feeling better um mm. for for a lot of people is is it start it's that old adage and it? it starts at home You'd start out your own back garden um, before you can start peering over the neighbour's fence and critiquing theirs. I wonder where they were going for a second. (laughs) So was I. I was just talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that that second night, um, hell of high water. Couldn't get to sleep. Mm. Um, It was was money in the bank night as well, so I just ended up following that on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) Why didn't you watch it? I couldn't be, but bo- I was. I was tired. I was really, really tired oh, okay. to the point where I couldn't be bothered to find a place to acquire it. <laughs> Could have just texted me. And I sent you a, a sneaky yeah, link. I, well, well, I'll bear that in mind for next time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will send him a very legal link. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll let me log into your network. <laughs> yes, I will. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's the one. There we go. <laughs> and, but yeah, and. I I didn't I obviously was sad saying goodbye to my my eldest the following morning um but once I was in that car my eyes were on home and it was it was it was I'm gonna get home as quick as I can safely and absolutely always abiding by the speed limit um (laughs) um yeah I I left I left Hull um what on the Half eight in the morning. Um, and I was home by two, um, which is a pretty good going. Yeah, I was pretty, trying to work out. Yeah. yeah pretty, pretty clear, pretty clear run. I had to stop twice for a wee because I drank too many energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but, a bit um,
1: awkward that you had to stop twice for one wee, but. Yeah, yeah, it just kept
0: going. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck a tube out of the have a car um, <laughs> um, but no it's, um, I even paid three tolls <laughs> on the way back good lord uh, and they were all to go over bridges that I one of them the middle one it was a little 50p toll I don't know where I was Um I was like a surprise bridge because <laughs> <laughs> as you know I was very very excited to go over the Humber Bridge <laughs>
1: yes yeah you were yeah <laughs>
0: Oh it's I've, never so anyone,
1: I've never known anyone. i never anyone that excited
0: to go over the Humber Bridge. <laughs> but not only that, I then looped around and got to go underneath it as well. Oof. Oh, Goodness it was me. It was a day. <laughs> <laughs> but on the way back, yeah, I stopped. I went over this little random bridge, the Humber Bridge, and then the QE2 bridge. On the M25. That's Even always Maverick. I know, I know. Just throwing <laughs> cash around. Just throwing cash at Bridges. Yeah, dollar 50, bills are yeah. strippers.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: on that note, um, I think on that note, we should, uh, we should round
0: up maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a, a good, a good flapping of the gums.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to sign off. We're not going to do our usual um, uh, plugging of the shows. I kind of mentioned them at the beginning um if you want to check out stuff that we are involved in then you know when sjp world media and when the um safe place sessions uh twitter account um share this will obviously be tagged so you can check that out on twitter but i don't think it's right for us to sort of plug those but if you do want you know randomizers and on my show Uh, that I'm on Um, they are escapism just a bit of fun so if you do want that go and check them out but most importantly and more importantly is thank you James for having a chat with me and thanks to everyone uh, listening yeah hope it was useful (laughs) bye 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 bye